Thanks for tuning in to Lighthouse 805 Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, When Gift Happens. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? It's summer vacation. Kids are about to go back in school. Um, it's nice. Everyone seems so relaxed and a little tired. <laughs> oh, man, it was really special seeing, seeing all the kids up here worshiping with us today. Um, we are outside of a, a sermon series right now, meaning that uh, we have a few messages that are Holy Spirit inspired that God has been speaking to me about um, to share with us as a church, just in our season of where we're at right now. Uh, today's title is When Gift Happens. When Gift Happens. In Luke chapter 5, 1 through 3, I want to read this out and then kind of talk about this verse today. Once when Jesus was standing on the shore of Lake Gesenart, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. He noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put it out a little bit from shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. Today's message is it's really revolving around um, what's happening with Jesus in this moment. Um, and it's kind of interesting. So point number one is the state of Jesus. The state of Jesus. Uh, uh, with A, something's happening with Jesus, and it's, he's being, there's pushing from the crowd. He's literally being pushed. There's, there's researchers and authors that really explain the situation of Jesus standing at the shore, and he's almost being pushed into a corner. There's hundreds and hundreds of people that are so excited to, to meet Jesus because they've heard the stories and they want to hear what he has to say. He doesn't have any speakers. He doesn't have a microphone. They're crowding because every person wants to hear what he has to say. There's people that are injured and sick and dying trying to drag their loved ones up to have Jesus heal them. There's people that are frustrated that just need help and they're trying to get in. So everyone is crowding in on Jesus. And then you have the flip side where there's Pharisees and Sadducees and different people that hate Jesus. And so they're trying to push in to hear what Jesus is going to say so that they can use it against him in a court of law with, with, you know, whatever, Judge Judy. And all of a sudden, they're pushing in because they want to entrap him. They want to get him to go to jail and beaten and killed. So you have all these people crowding in on Jesus, overwhelming him. And he's sitting there and he's trying to teach and he's backing up and backing up and backing up. And eventually he hits the shore, the shoreline, and there's nowhere, nowhere else to go. He's just at the edge of it all. And so, A, pushing from the crowd. Have you ever, have you ever felt like Jesus in that situation? where it's like everyone needs your attention at the same moment. It's like that is so relatable. All of a sudden, people are pushing in, and it's like, I don't know if, you, if you've been around small kids, and you're talking to someone, and you're like mid-sentence, right? And it's like, mom, 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 mom. And it's like, can you see I'm talking? <laughs> can, can you hear the words coming out of my mouth right now? Or it's like all of a sudden, my wife will be on the phone, and I'm guilty of it too, you know? And then London will walk up and be like, Mom, Mom, can I get a string cheese? And then Patty's like, I'm on the phone. And then Ollie's like, someone else is talking, so I want to talk. Hey, Mom, Mom, I don't know what I want to say, but I just want to talk. And then, and then I totally do too. I'm like, hey, Patty, do you know where? And she's like, are you kidding, guys? <laughs> but there, there's this moment 
where sometimes crowds just come in all around. Have, have you ever been in a work situation where you're trying to put out a fire, or trying to handle something, and just more and more things happen all at once? It's just, it's, it's just overwhelming at times. This is, this is the state of Jesus. He has this pushing from this crowd, and, and it's so relatable. It's so understandable. I mean, I've been there in moments. It's not every day, all day long, thank God. But it's, it's these moments where we're just pressed and pushed and, and backed into a corner. And this is the state of Jesus. And then B, Jesus has this pressure of performing. Right? See, these people, some of them, have now come and surrounded Jesus to make him perform a magic trick, if you will, to start healing people. It's like, oh, I heard you can heal. Can you do that healing thing and wave your hand and pull out a wand or whatever it is? And all of a sudden, people are now wanting Jesus to perform for their own need and wants. That's so relatable, too. It's like, oh, I need this, I need this. And, and have you ever been pulled in so many different directions of things that people want and need of you? And it's just being tugged on and pulled on. And, and now Jesus is being surrounded by these crowds and now people want stuff of him too. So he's standing there and he's just overwhelmed. Right? And, and then the, the third aspect happens of Jesus in this thing. He's pressed for time. Because Jesus understands he's God. He knows his timeline on this earth is extremely short. And the minutes are counting down. It, it, it's as if his father God gave him a diagnosis of you have three years to live. What are you going to do in those three years? Jesus knows he's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to die. And as time is counting down, it's, have you ever felt pressed for time? Where it's like, I only have so long to do this and it expires. I have a diagnosis with a loved one and I only have so many days left with them. Or my milk has this many days left and I need to make a latte. Just Sorry, I had to bring up the tension in a sec. <laughs> Pressed for time. This is, these three things where you have all the attention being, being on you, the performance and needs, and then this timeline that's crazy. It's literally the formula for anxiety right here. And then Jesus does Jesus because he's God, and all of a sudden, this, this amazing story happens. I, I feel like I've been in Jesus' shoes in this feeling a lot. Where it's like everyone needs something, and there's very little time to do it. And if you've ever been around a child, you probably feel this daily. When something happened, Jesus saw a boat on dry ground a boat that was abandoned and left behind. The verse says the owner had left it behind to go work on his nets. So what does that have to do with us and Jesus and all these emotions? <laughs> or we, I might have just stirred up because you, you came to church thinking, oh, I'm going to feel encouraged and peaceful, and now I just feel like anxiety because I'm just reminded of the hornet's nest I just left. Luke 5, 1 through 3, one time, he noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him 
to put it out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. Number two, the need of Jesus. The need of Jesus. I think this is one of the most uh, outlandish concepts to even think about. Because if, if Jesus is God, which he is, and he has everything, and he supplies all our needs, how, how could Jesus ever need something? But the audacity is Jesus, <laughs> Jesus came down to say, I want to see my kingdom grow, but I need you to do it. He can do everything himself, but he has the outlandish dream to say, I want to entrust you to partner with me in this kingdom because he loves us so much. It's, it's crazy to think that Jesus would trust us enough to take care of something so big. The need of Jesus. Jesus has the audacity to set himself in need of something, of someone else to accomplish his mission. That I, I was kind of thinking through this, this um, relationship that Jesus has set himself in as. If you will, this is, in the story, if you, if you apply this to Star Wars, and, and I hope you go here with me, because I'm a Star Wars nerd and I love it. In this storyline, Jesus is Luke Skywalker. And he says, you're going to be my Yoda. Like, what? Um, shouldn't you be Yoda? Je no, Jesus is going to take care of everything, but he needs you in order to do it. Another example, if, if you don't like Star Wars, he's going to be Katniss and we're going to be Haymitch. If you don't get that, it's okay. <laughs> the last one is, maybe this is more, he's James Bond and we're Q. He needs, to, okay, I had to toss it in all, all different generations here. Still no. Oh my gosh, my dad would have loved that quote. <laughs> he's like, I get that. He, he has this, this outlandish dream for us that he places himself in this need situation to say, I, I'm standing before this crowd of endless people, and the only way I can reach all of them is if I partner with you. See, all of a sudden, this is starting to make more sense. See, Jesus has backed himself in a corner, and there's endless throngs of people outstretched that he cannot reach. He cannot accomplish this all. And he says, the only way I can accomplish this is if I get in a boat with you, partnering with you, and then I can reach more people. And this is the relationship that Jesus is desiring of us. So how, how, does, that even, how does that even work? The need of Jesus. So what's, what is this need? A, needs a vessel. See, Jesus walked on the shore and he identified exactly what he needed, and what he needed was he needed the boat. He needed a vessel. He needed transportation. He needed some form of transportation to get him from where he's at to where the people can be reached. That's, that's part of the relationship of what he desires of us. We're the, we're the vessel. We're the mode of transportation to take Jesus where he needs to reach others. That's his concept. So how, how do we describe a vessel? How, how do we 
it's really lofty thing to be like, yeah, love it. It's one thing to sit in a sermon and just be like, man, I feel so encouraged. I didn't get anything out of that except for I felt better about my, no, I want to make sure you have practical insight of what to do on this. So Jesus needs a vessel. The vessel, if we look at it in the illustration of the story, the vessel is Peter's boat, right? Peter's boat is his fishing business. It's his skill. It's, it's literally his gifting. Jesus steps into Peter's gifting in order to reach people. Our, our, our vessel, our mode of transportation, how we get Jesus into the communities of our lives is through our giftings. Check out, check out this verse. Proverbs 18, 16 says this, a person's gift opens doors for him and brings him before the great. Have you ever had a, a relative or a family member or a friend who you, you just, you just know if they knew Jesus, their whole life would change? You've tried everything. You've tried getting the little pamphlet that has the great 1980s picture on it going, this is, this is going to do it. You know, or, or, or you try working up this whole speech that you heard, uh, this one sermon, and you try to like get as much in it as you can, and you're just like, here it is, uh, and nothing happens. But what's interesting is in this verse, God says, the mode of transportation, the, the way the doors are opened are from your gifting, a person's gift, your gifting, your calling, your identity, how you are built by God is how doors are opened so you and God can step through into someone's life and someone's heart, someone's understanding. Lives are transformed not because you can put together a really good speech, but because you are being who God made you to be, and you're willing to take Jesus with you along the ride. It's super simple. It's super basic, but sometimes it's like we get so worked up and we're like, oh, I need this and then 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 this and this to accomplish this. And God's like, uh, no. I built you like this so you can be yourself around them. That's it. Your gift will open the doors of people's hearts. All I ask is you take me with you. That's, that's the illustration of what's happening with Jesus and Peter. Jesus is standing on this boat, or Peter abandons this boat on the side, and, and Jesus stands inside of it. You know, my favorite part is Jesus stands inside the boat before calling Peter over. He's just standing there, like, waiting, and then, can you imagine? I just like putting my shoes on Peter's, washing his nets, and he, you know, the crowds are behind him. He's like, man... I hate when all these people show up. I just want to fish. I like the quiet. I want to catch a fish. Someone's in my boat. What? (laughs) Like, all of a sudden, he turns around and he's like, can I help you? And Jesus like, push me out. Take take me out. And this this is super profound if you look at it. Meaning, if we are Peter in the story, and we're sitting there, and the boat is our gifting, 
it would indicate from this story and the timeline that Jesus has always been with us inside of our gifting before we even knew him. And in the moment that we realize that God's been here all along is when we can step out into the sea with him. It's that, that moment. It's that moment of realization. Jesus needs a vessel. And then B, what else, what else does Jesus need? Jesus needs our obedience. Jesus needs our obedience. I didn't want to jump too far ahead. There's, there's this moment where we're standing there in Peter's shoes and we're washing our nets and we're, we're just living life, okay? Washing nets is just living life. That's the illustration here. And we have the realization that God has been with us this whole time. We accept Jesus, we know Jesus, whatever. But Jesus needs our obedience to say, will you come forward with me? And that's, that's, the, that's the moment of, I know who Jesus is, I know all about him. I've been sitting in church. I get it. I got it. It's good. But then Jesus says, I know you got it. I know you know me. But are you willing to step out with me now? And that's, that's the moment. That's, that's the changing of everything. We, we can do the same routine forever. But there's, a, there's this divine moment to say, will you step out with me? Jesus needs obedience. And then the last aspect of what Jesus needs is Jesus needs our presence. These two are kind of similar, obedience and presence, but they're, they're a little bit different and unique. See, our obedience is, is this. Our obedience is saying, yes, Jesus, use my gifting, let me push you out, okay? You can use my gifting all you want. And, and we set it out and we're like, all right, I use it. I'm done with it. Great, Jesus showed up. It was really neat. I'm gonna go back to my life. <laughs> but Jesus wants us in the boat with him. It's one thing to push Jesus out in your gifting and hope for the best, but it's another to ride the storm out with Jesus. See, Peter went into the boat with him and stayed through the whole time with Jesus as he was utilizing the gift. See, when we, we go to work and we go with our families, it's, it's almost dysfunctional when we're inspired and we bring Jesus with us, and then like a day later, we kind of give up and quits on that. And then it's like we get discouraged and we just keep living back our normal life and we're back with the nets. But Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm calling your presence here. I'm calling you to be with me day in, day out, all the time. Be with me. He needs our presence. And the, the third aspect is this. Jesus is waiting on us. Jesus is waiting on us. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 3. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. 
So the, the whole con context of this is, do you know there's a drought in fishing happening? No one's catching anything in this season. It's really unique. It goes, I don't have time to cover the whole chapter of the Bible, but please read about it. All of a sudden, no one's catching any fish. People are frustrated because their food and their money come from fishing. And we all know when you're hungry and you got no money, you become hangry. Okay? So this is what's happening. Peter's sitting here. He's frustrated. He's angry. He has no money to take home now. He has no food to feed his family. And he's just, ugh. He's just in it. And that's his attitude. And so Jesus shows up, and he's like, hey, I know you're working on your nets, but, but come out with me. I know you're frustrated. And in Peter's mind, he was sitting in his boat all night, and nothing happened. And Jesus is like, can you come out in your boat again? And Peter's like, whatever. <laughs> I, lo- I love Peter. The, uh, just Peter's life is great. So he says, whatever, and he goes out. But Jesus Jesus is waiting on us. Jesus is waiting on, how, how is Jesus waiting on us? Because we have to dial into the gift. So one thing, it's one thing to say, hey, we all have a gift and we all need it. And we're like, yeah. And then you don't explain what that is. And then it's like, okay, do I Wikipedia that? Where do I go to find my gifting and how do I use that? So Jesus is sitting here waiting on us with our gift. Jesus is waiting on the boat and the person with the boat. Jesus is waiting on our gifting and us to show up with our gifting. So A, our gift abandoned. Jesus can be waiting on us because sometimes we, get, we abandon our gifts. It's like nothing's happening, nothing's working. Peter went fishing in his boat and he didn't catch anything. He abandoned his gift at the shore. And I've been there before, where it's so aggravating to try something over and over and over of what you thought was your gift, and you're like, maybe it's not my gift, and you throw it away for a season. I remember one time, I was, I was younger, and I was just inundated with, with marketing, doing Photoshop, and doing all these art projects, so much so that I, I was getting asked all over the place to do this for camp, and do this, and do this, and I just had enough. It wasn't being fruitful anymore, I was just tired of it, and I just stopped all graphics, all media, all marketing. I, babe, how long was that? A lot, like, we're talking a couple years? Years that I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to go near Photoshop. I don't want to go near a graphic. I don't want to, I don't even want to talk about it. Don't even, don't even bring up video editing to me. And I just abandoned it. And then uh, one day I was like, I just kept feeling God calling me back, calling me back, calling me back. And it's, it's this concept of you have a gift in your life and sometimes you can get frustrated and throw it away and abandon it. But God's saying, I'm sitting in your gift and I need you to show up because we have work to do. Just because you were fruitless in a season for a moment doesn't mean that it's gone forever. Doesn't mean you're going to be fruitless in the next season. Don't abandon your gift. B, 
our gift unknown. Another aspect of, of why we're not having doors open because of our giftings is because we don't know what our gift is. And it's like, well, I would do it if I knew what I was supposed to do. Right? That's, that's super annoying. That's super frustrating. We hear other people go, oh, my gift made room for me. This person, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, thanks for making me feel bad, <laughs> is what we think inside. Our gift unknown. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, God lays out the gifts that he gives. He handed out gifts above and below, filled heaven with his gifts, filled earth with his gifts. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Hear that. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. His gifts are personalities? To train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other. Efficiency, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. Do you know gifts are in actuality a, a personality? And they fall within these five. It's really interesting how, how God lays out and says, I have given every single person a gift. Out of the, out of the five, you're in one of these categories and, and how you function and how you live. And it's really interesting because most people have these and are built with these before they even accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I heard someone once explain that a lot of, a lot of prophets before they know Jesus are these hyper-creatives that start singing these songs and, and they're the artists of the world. They're the ones that, that start having these amazing songs that go out and, and they sit down, write the song, and they put it on and it's this, they prophetically see where people will start buying the albums. It's people before they're saved are in this prophetic role. And, and this, the shepherd role or the pastor role, this is the personality trait where, where it's like you love to link arms with someone and walk through them through the valley of the shadow of death. Like you will not let them go. You are the greatest defender for them. It's these different personality types of, of being creative or, or being a servant or, or whatever it is. The evangelist, have you ever had a friend who everything they see and do is like the best experience in their lives and they will stop at nothing till you experience it too? You will not believe the sushi place I went to. When they came out with these rolls and then they dressed it with it, you know, and they start explaining it and you're like, I need to, I need to eat there. It's, it's this type of gifting. They're, they're the best salespeople on the planet, right? That's, that's the evangelistic trait. And what's one of the uh, worst misconceptions we can ever buy into is, oh, well, I can't be this because I'm not leading a church or I'm not this. No, no, it says Jesus gave the heavens and the earth these five giftings. You fall under one, 
You just might not know how to use it yet. That's, that's with Peter, why I love him so much, because he didn't understand what God was calling him to do yet. He, he didn't understand what his gifting was. He thought it was just fishing. And God's like, no, I need you to fish for men. Your, your gifting your gifting isn't just fishing and getting food. It's literally going out and bringing people to know me. You have this evangelistic trait in you, and let me draw this out of you. When we don't know our gift, how can we step out and reach people? How can, how can we even walk with Jesus and daily and understanding this if, if, we're not, if we're dysfunctional with it? See, Jesus will meet us where we're at, but it's we get mobilized when Jesus goes with us. See, our gift mobilized. Knowing our gift and using our gift are two separate things. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 3, last time reading it, he climbed into the boat that was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Sitting there, using the boat for a pulpit, he taught the crowd. We need to know our gift and allow Jesus to come alongside for the ride. This season, our church, we're really hyper-focusing on our vision, and part of that vision, as we're developing it and growing it, is helping everyone to understand, what's your gifting? How, how, do, you, how do you grab your gifting and your purpose and your calling and implement it in every area of your life? How do you be like Peter and have Jesus sit in the, the mode of transportation? How do you have yourself saying, you know what, I really love doing blah, 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 blah. And Jesus says, awesome, let's refine that, and let's put out into the deep, and let's go after it. That's, that's what we're really trying to go after in, in our church, is helping people understand who they are in Christ, who they are in the kingdom of God, and do it. I, I hate people knowing what they're good at and just never doing it at all. It drives me nuts. It really does. I want to see you grasp who you are and go after it. Um, as a challenge, I really want you to start praying, start believing that God is going to reveal these gifts to you. Really, really understand what it is. As part of our church, we're going to start, if you're interested, I would love to sit down. They have like all these like little tests and stuff that you can take that really show what your personality trait aligns on what of the five personality traits of, of the kingdom of God. If you're willing to do that and you're willing to partner, I, I would love to see you start activating who you are in the kingdom of God. That's, that's what, our, that's what our, our shift of what our church is heading towards. I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, I found, uh, if you're interested, um, I think I, we have a URL, right? Like a link in the notes? No, maybe. Um, I found one of those tests online. It's a tinyurl.com slash test805. Um, it really gives, it gives you a personality test of if you're in the prophetic, evangelistic, um, apostolic, uh, one of those traits. Ti tinyurl.com 
com slash test805. Um, if you take it you, and you're like, wow, I, I never understood that. I never noticed that about me. Um, would, you, would you just message me, message the church, send me an email, Facebook message, Instagram, whatever you got, homing pigeon, dove, um, however you want to send me a message. I love to s- spend time and talk to you how that looks and how to develop and how to work on how you contribute to the kingdom of God. Ultimately, Jesus called these disciples and proclaimed who they were in the kingdom. And then he started teaching them. And that's how he developed his disciples to change the world. That's, that's along the lines of what we're doing as a church. We're calling you out, proclaiming who you are, and sending you out to do this. Amen? Um, put this link on a slide. Sweet. <laughs> tinyurl.com slash test805. Lord, we pray that you would just continue blessing us. As, As we have this concept, this understanding of how crowds were forming around you and you needed a way to mobilize, to, to bring the kingdom of God to all of them, you decided to rely on Peter and his gifting to do that. Lord, this this is an illustration and a factual story, but it also applies to us today. Lord, I pray that you would begin working on us, saying, and helping us understand that you need us to bring you into our our life situations, to bring you into our our homes, our families, our workplaces. Lord, help us understand that, help us to grasp it, and help us to, to really unlock our giftings of how you've already built us. I pray that you would rekindle frustrated, lost giftings that we, we left behind, just like Peter left his boat behind. That if there's anyone that has been hurt because they stepped down on a limb once on a dream that they had and it felt crushed, they abandoned it. But I pray that there would be healing and restoration there. I pray that if we don't know what, how you built us, that we would start understanding it, God. And Lord, ultimately, we love you, and we want to see your kingdom expand. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information or other episodes, or to give to Lighthouse 805, visit us at www.lighthouse805.com.